0: Hello, and welcome to the FT Big Deal podcast sponsored by Baker McKenzie. In this episode, we focus on digital M&A, specifically all the critical things you need to consider when acquiring a digital asset, by which we mean a tech company or a company with technological capabilities. So how do you identify the right company to buy? How do you ensure the company you've acquired seamlessly integrates with yours? And what pitfalls should you avoid? I'm Satwant Panda in London, and I'm joined by Si Shing Tan, M&A Partner at Baker McKenzie, Lawrence Lee, M&A Partner at Baker McKenzie, specialising in technology, Rajiv Singh, CEO of Seattle-based digital healthcare company Accolade, Joe Oliveri, CEO of Corbett Technology Solutions, or CTSI, and I also speak to Nathan Brown, the Managing Director of Windpoint, the private equity firm that owns CTSI. Si let's start with you to set the scene. There's been a huge rise in digital mergers and acquisitions in the last couple of years. Tell us why that is. We've
1: seen exponential growth in deal valuations for digital assets in the last few years, much more so than any other areas of M&A. In part, this is due to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has accelerated the growth of digitization for many businesses. So companies which have previously sought to organically grow its digital businesses are now having to look to grow their capability more quickly and they do it through M&A activity so as to remain competitive and and actually in many cases to stay relevant in the COVID-19 pandemic and post-pandemic world.
0: Nathan, Windpoint Partners and CTSI have been on a buying spree this past year. You've acquired nine tech companies since May. What do you think is driving this rapid pace?
2: We feel that it's important to gain scale in this industry. And we also believe that we're at a window in time where there's a lot of companies that are owned by founders or families that are both looking for liquidity and looking to be part of a larger national platform. For example, if you think about a lot of smaller businesses that are owned by entrepreneurs and founders, it's hard for them to make really large technology investments and continuing to move their technology forward. Whereas with CTSI, we're able to make a very significant investment in engineers in order to keep moving the technology forward.
0: So now that we understand why so many organizations are embarking on tech acquisitions, let's look at how they differ from other deals. Lawrence, you advise clients across a range of industries. What sets tech M&A apart and what should buyers watch out for?
3: Many times in tech M&A, you're not buying necessarily a well-established product. Oftentimes, you are buying the promise of a product, or even more often than not, you're buying the promise of a team of engineers. Because of this, great focus really needs to be placed on how to ensure the team you're bringing over is properly incentivized and fits within the culture of your organization. This also really changes how an acquirer should think of due diligence, You may end up focusing more on the people side of due diligence, identifying the star performers, working with the target company's leadership team to understand how to get the most out of this team that you're acquiring and how to incentivize to make sure people stick around after you close the deal.
0: Rajiv, your company Accolade, has made four tech acquisitions since 2019. What do you think organizations need to bear in mind when considering a tech acquisition?
4: Well, We were acquiring into a relatively nascent space. And so a lot of the rules that typically apply to thinking about acquisitions, I'm going to buy the number one or number two company in the space. I'm going to buy the company with the most customers or the most revenue don't really apply in a brand new space. And so you then begin to think about, well, I'm really betting on the future of this company that I'm acquiring. And when you think about betting on the future, you start to think more like an investor than an acquirer. Who has the best team? Who has the best technology stack? Who has the most aligned culture? Who do you think is going to execute the best? Because we're really in the very early stages of the game. In fact, the players have really only just got on the pitch. Like We haven't really started the game.
0: Nathan, having acquired so many companies over the years, how do you know which ones to target? Is there a magic formula?
2: I think that the magic really is around making sure there's a common cultural alignment. That's where we've seen a lot of acquisitions Is when you're trying to build one team, one company that will be successful in servicing all the customers. And when there's a different approach to doing business, it's just, it's never going to work. Apart from cultural alignment, I'd say, you know, we're, what we're looking for are businesses that are additive to the overall platform, meaning they bring a geographic territory, a set of customers, a technology solution that doesn't already exist. And so when you combine the different businesses, each one becomes fundamentally stronger than they would be on their own.
0: So after determining which companies to target, how do you ensure the deal proceeds without a hitch? Joe, you oversaw the acquisition of nine tech deals in less than a year. How were you able to move so quickly and smoothly? And what tips can you share?
5: One that I do is I make it clear up front to the owners of the company that we're looking to acquire, that IT integration is not an option. We need to be on the same platform to be able to function appropriately. Now, the timeline is very flexible, but they need to understand there is a timeline and there is an end date for when we all have to be on the same uh, system. The next thing is I over-communicate that our strategy is really business as usual for all sensitive employees and owners, things like benefits and compensation, because they want to know what's in it for them. So I want to make sure that we don't disrupt the business at all. Also good communication with the founders throughout the processes is important because you need to build up that trust with the founders because ultimately during the due diligence process or closing the deal, there will be some tough items that come up that require negotiation And sometimes you need to have that ability for them to trust you to make sure that you can get through some of those tough items. Because if you haven't built up that trust with the owners, that could be a lot harder.
0: Now, let's talk about due diligence, one of the first tasks of any M&A deal. Rajiv, for tech acquisitions, what do you have to
4: prioritize? In the technology space, regardless of what industry you're in, the cliff from innovative leader to obsolescence is pretty fast. And so that means you really got to focus your diligence time on a few core areas. To us, those areas are, one, the extensibility and the modular nature of the technology stack. Have they built the software in a way that will scale as the company grows and allow you to integrate into the other offerings of your company that are going to be essential? The second part of that story is the data architecture. Fundamentally, that architecture will have to integrate. And then finally, and this is a really, really important part of technology acquisitions that I think most people understand, people, uh, people and culture. If the engineers and the leadership of that company walk out the door, the instant they have the opportunity to do so, you've lost the intellectual property. And so understanding, do those people believe in the same things you do? Do you understand what will keep them in your business? that's diligence that shouldn't wait till after the fact. You've got to know those things before you get going.
0: Now let's delve a little deeper because tech acquisitions are often more complex than other deals, especially when it comes to data compliance. Xixing, tell us why this is. The problem that always happens with digital M&A is that proper
1: data compliance due diligence is a very time-consuming process and may be expensive. If a digital asset has consumers, for instance, and therefore deals with data in, say, a hundred jurisdictions, the question is, do you check for compliance in those hundred jurisdictions? That could take months and impact on timing for carrying out the deal. And therefore, you then have to take a decision as to which jurisdictions you you do the due diligence in, what you do due diligence checks for, and what ends up happening in reality is that most companies would take a risk-based approach, Carry out due diligence on compliance in high risk jurisdictions in high risk areas. Compliance issues for the lower risk compliance areas are then left for the integration and post acquisition work streams.
0: And perhaps even more complicated to navigate is the changing regulatory environment. The company you want to buy could be in a regulated industry or in a sector that could be regulated soon, which means the regulations are not fully completed or understood yet. Lawrence, what advice do you have in dealing with this?
3: I think really understanding that and how that fits within the overall global framework of how that acquirer approaches regulatory matters is important. You don't want to buy yourself into a problem. You also don't want to buy an asset that could potentially negatively affect a license that you may have in another jurisdiction or put you into a sector of the market that may be more heavily regulated than what you're used to. So I think really understanding the regulatory framework upfront, before going into the significant deal negotiations is pretty critical.
0: Now, let's just quickly touch on what you should consider if you're the company being acquired. Nathan, what advice do you have for the acquiree ahead of a deal?
2: If you're selling your business to a larger business, larger company or to a private equity firm, really spend the time to get to know the principles on the other side make sure that their vision for the combined company matches your own you know for example taking care of the employees making sure there's opportunities for growth making sure they're going to invest capital in growth whether that's you know physical assets or intellectual assets and that requires spending time there's a tendency in in deals to get excited about you know, getting the cash or making the acquisition. And so you try to rush through everything to get it closed. And that's where mistakes can happen and people regret the decision afterwards.
0: So on the one hand, it takes time to ensure you have the right fit. But on the other hand, you have to move quickly in this environment. How do you reconcile the two?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I would say you can move quickly when you have a very clear strategy and so you know what fits. And so we will move quickly in providing an offer and getting to a letter of intent, because we know how to value businesses, we know how to do our diligence quickly. But it's really important to take the time to make sure, you know, what's important to you is also important to the other parties.
0: Now, before we wrap up, let's get some final words of wisdom from our guests. Rajiv, what's your one big piece of advice?
2: I think the
4: biggest advice I'd give there is that you shouldn't fall in love too early. In a lot of technology spaces, the market tends to fall in love with the first mover. First mover is interesting, but evaluate the entirety of the market. Understand the competitive dynamics of the space. The markets move exceptionally fast. And so what you're really looking at is, do you have a hypothesis on how this space will change? Are you going or are you positioning yourself as to where the ball is going, not necessarily where it is right now. And does this company that you're thinking about from an acquisition perspective believe those same things? And that's, to me, the most significant piece of advice. I I think you can find companies with lots of customers and lots of revenue, but who are already falling behind where the market's going.
0: So don't fall in love too early. What about you, Joe?
5: I would say don't be afraid to walk away early on because, Your time and money is very important. So as soon as you see those red flags that make you nervous about the opportunity, say, you know what, I have a lot more opportunities to pursue. You know, this one's not the right one. Walk away from that deal before you've invested a million dollars in time and due diligence, because those red flags are usually a good indicator that something is not right and something's going to go wrong later.
0: Lawrence, any final words of advice?
3: I think the one thing to look out for is to really understand why we're doing this acquisition. Why are we acquiring the asset as opposed to trying to build it ourselves? Why it makes more sense to do that and from an overall organizational strategy and why that fits within our organizational strategy. Because any acquisition is going to create a little bit of turn in the water right? It's going to change people's day-to-day jobs because they're going to have to think about integration. They're going to have to onboard a new team. They're going to have to build in a new technology that may have been built uh, completely different from what you may be used to. And so any acquisition may sometimes seem like an easy path to getting to the end result, but really has to be understood from that context as well. Why is it better for us to acquire this technology as opposed to building it ourselves. I think being able to answer that question and being able to have the the rest of the organization understand that that makes sense, I think is critical to any M&A deal.
0: Shi Xing, Nathan, Joe, Lawrence and Rajiv, thank you very much for your insight. To our listeners, you can listen to other episodes in the series at bigdeal.ft.com.